TCA? Did you know the common factor in almost all of those suicides was a pulling away? And whatever was going on in that student's life got magnified times 10 in that isolation. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm carrying something. I'm a pastor, but am I immune to any of the normal stuff? Absolutely not. And sometimes it feels like the weight of Mount Everest is on my shoulders, and I sit with one of those guys, right? Just one of them that I go away with every... I try to meet with one of them at least once a week, and I say, here's what's going on. And suddenly Mount Everest starts to feel like that dirt mound out there. It gets kind of cut down to size, because my friend's like, oh, validates me, prays for me, gives me a hug. <sighs> I can move on, right? It's huge. Don't allow the enemy to trick you into thinking that you can, you can decompress and alleviate your stress, your anxiety, better alone. It's a lie. Press into a trusted friend. So when I say the opening of your hearts and your homes, some of you guys are like, Brad, I, I'm at school or I live in an apartment. I, or it's my, my parents' home. I live with them right now. What I mean by that, uh, uh, the, the, the home is huge in the Bible, right? It says in the early church they met, they met in temple courts and house to house. So the two physical locations that the family of God gathered was at the church, temple courts, and in people's homes. So what I would say is if that's not possible, like for whatever reason, like find a place where you feel like you can just fully be yourself, right? So in this phase of your life, but when you get a home, or maybe you are in one now, which is great, invite people in. There's something profound that happens when you have people in your home. It's kind of vulnerable. You're like, what if they think, what if they think my home is kind of trashy and they don't like the refrigerator from 1973 that I got from my neighbor Bill and the fact that I still have cat hair all over the, the little baseboards there. And like, it's vulnerable, right? But here's what I would say. Actually, I'm not going to say it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let John Veneer say it. Again, Catholic theologian said this, welcome is one of the signs that community is alive. When you welcome, right? To invite others to live with us is a sign that we aren't, we aren't afraid, that we have a treasure of truth and peace to share. One of the reasons that we don't let people in, that we don't welcome people into our homes and our lives, is because we're afraid. We're afraid of what they'll think. We're afraid of what they'll say if they really discover what's going on in our lives. And the irony of that is we're all thinking that. We all have stuff that we're like, ooh, I'm a little, a little embarrassed of this. I'm just going to tuck this away over here, right? But it's amazing. Pastor Brady, on the first night of our pastor's conference this past week, stood up in front of 500-plus ministry leaders, and he basically unpacked his suitcase in front of us and said, here's what, I, here's what I'm worried about. Here's where I'm hurting. Here's, here. And you know what it did? It ushered in this incredible vulnerability that took over the conference. I wept with the pastor from New Mexico who has a prodigal son who's walked away from God. I sat there and put my arm around this guy I'd never met. His name's Jerry. And we wept over his son, Nicholas. Wept. I'd never met him. How'd that happen? Because Brady opened himself. And this man felt like he could open himself. Another ministry team came up to me and they said, Brad, our senior pastor desperately needs a sabbatical, a time, a break, right? Because he's burning out. And he's like, will you help us figure out how to do that with him? And I'm like, absolutely. How, why, how did all that happen? Because Brady stopped being afraid. 
that everybody in that room would think less of him if, if he showed us where he was hurting or weak. And the same thing can happen of us. In your circle of friends, where like maybe there's some jockeying of like, who's the smartest, who's the coolest, who's the most attractive? If one of you stands up and says, who gives a rip? Here's authentically me. Take that. Mm. <laughs> Bam. Right? What happens? We usher in a climate of vulnerability and we can open and welcome much better. Here's the last one. What does a gospel-shaped community look like? And what are the practices that cultivate it? The last one is this. We practice the missional rhythm of pressing in and sending out. Pressing in and sending out. Acts 13.1 says this. Now in the church at Antioch, there were many prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, who had been brought up with, the, with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Say that with me. While they are worshiping and fasting. Say worshiping and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Isn't it interesting that both in the early parts of Acts, when, when Jesus said to his disciples, go wait in the upper room, and in this incident in Acts 13, these believers had pressed together, come together and said, we are one, and we're going to go hard after God, that in both of those moments, God said, okay, now I want you to send out. I want you to think missionally. And this is the great irony of community, in that if we do this right, if we come together and love on each other and love on God together, then God says, all right, guess what? My heart is insatiable for the prodigals that are out there, the sons and daughters of mine who don't know me. Now I want you to send him and her and him and and her and, and lay hands on them and commission them to go and be my salt and light. That is a big part of the rhythm of a gospel-shaped community. You press in. That's one of the reasons, that's one of the ways you know that the community is getting strong is when there are people that go out into the heart of darkness to represent Jesus from this place. That's one of the, re- that's one of the ways you'll know that New Life Young Adults is starting to really press into something is when, you, when some of you go, yeah, I, I've been commissioned of the Lord, I feel. And, or when we gather around you and say, you're supposed to go and do X, Y, and Z. Formally, informally, right? Gospel-shaped community. Now, having heard all of that, I would argue that most of us have barely nibbled on that kind of community. We've tasted a little bit of it, but God is inviting us today to step into it more fully and to live there, to live in this place where there's true repair in relationships, to live in this place where there's an ongoing opening of our hearts and our lives and a welcoming of one another and a serving of one another. And then, guess what? Out of all the goodness that fills our heart from this, then we get the blessing of going, representing Jesus somewhere. Let's pray. I just want to read this quote over you guys as you sit quietly and just think about 
what God might be saying to you. This is from Robert Weber, wrote Agent for Future Faith. He said this, The church is the primary presence of God's activity in the world. As we pay attention to what it means to be the church, we create an alternative community to the society of the world. The new community, the embodied experience of God's kingdom, will draw people into itself and nurture them in the faith. God, we thank you that we get to be the primary presence of your activity in the world. And will you help us to pay attention to what it means to be your people, to not just scratch the surface on preference-based relationships, but to form a new community that embodies your presence and that draws us in over and over and nurtures our faith in you. God, I pray for these incredible young adults that are here this morning. Lord, I thank you that they are your church, that we get to be your church. Will you teach us what it means to be your people and to look at the other Christ followers as our our spiritual brothers and sisters? Will you teach us what it means to repair our relationships when they're broken? Will you teach us what it means to truly support and encourage one another? Will you help us to open our lives to each other in deep ways? And God, will you send us out to represent you? Just take a second and uh, maybe start by taking a deep breath and maybe just think through what it was this morning that the Holy Spirit highlighted to you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being our teacher and our guide. We love what you did here today. We thank you for speaking over us and to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.